So when I say chase purpose, not money, it's just about making choices rooted in faith, not fear. Mm -hmm. It's like, what is in alignment with what you're being called to do? Trust that if you stay on that path, you really will be okay. What's up, what's up, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Animal Girl Podcast. This is your podcast for your 30-somethings and your 40-somethings, and we are on a quest. We are on a quest to get our analog lives in this digital-driven world. How y'all doing? What's going on in y'all worlds? I hope all is well. Thank you again for listening to yet another episode. If this is your first episode, when you're done with this episode and only when you're done, you need to head back on over to all those old episodes, y'all, and check them out, okay? Keep it in mind that Analog Girl is a work in progress. You know, I have been growing for the past three years just trying to find my way in this podcasting world. So keep that in mind when you're listening, but I hope you enjoy. We talk about a lot of different things um, as it pertains to mental health, anxiety, depression, panic attacks, you name it, it's out there. So go and check it out, y'all. And always don't forget, if you have any questions, um, if you'd like to reach out about struggling with depersonalization, you can always DM me at uh, girl on Instagram. And my email is info at analoggirlpodcast.com. So without further ado let's just get into the anxiety checking real quick i ain't got nothing else to say so let's just go on over there and talk about what's going on in my world in your world all righty well i hope your anxiety levels are low to non-existent and if not you know we like to do our little breathing so let's just do it on the four count, in through the nose, out through the mouth. Well, we do in through the nose, hold it, and then out through the mouth on the four count, guys, um, for those who have never done it before. Um, so real quick, let's just relax the shoulders. Let's roll them. Shake your hands out. Roll your head around. You know, do a little black girl roll. Do a little cabbage patch, whatever you got to do to shake out those muscles. And let's just inhale through the nose one time. Hold it. And then breathe out through the mouth. Let's inhale one more time through the nose. Hold it. And then breathe out through the mouth. Yes. And shake out your hands, roll your shoulders, roll your back, and feel it all relaxing you. Always feels good to me. Always feels good to me. Mm. So, anxiety checking, y'all. What's going on with me? Uh, You know, listen, as we do a breathing exercises and with all of this COVID madness that goes, that's still going on. Like it's, the world is open. The world is open, but COVID is still here. It is truly a blessing to be able to breathe, to be able to do some deep breathing. So I am trying to sit in that and just be grateful for just the gift 
of breath. Uh, because sometimes life tries to make you not be grateful for shit. <laughs> so I'm finding I'm finding um peace and, and gratitude in the simpler things in life. Um, so that is what I'm doing in, in as far as maintaining a level of of peace in my life with low anxiety levels. <laughs> but what I want to talk to y'all about in the check-in today is um, this book that I read called The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovel Shin. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right, because y'all know I tend to mispronounce every damn thing. But I think it's Florence Scovel Shin. <laughs> Um, and it's called, it's a prosperity classic. That's what it says on the book. And it's called The Game of Life and How to Play It. So let me tell y'all, it is a quick read, okay? I like a quick read, y'all. Listen, I got a book coming out myself and I'm hoping that it's a quick read like this because for folks who struggle with anxiety and depression and shit like that, we don't be having time to be sitting around reading books for hours on hours. At least that's how I feel. I feel like it's like we want to hit it and quit it. You know what I'm saying? We want to get the information and get up out of there because we're so anxious and we are, you know, we can't focus. Got a little bit of ADD going on, you know, so um, we just need things that we hit it and quit it. Get in there, get that information and go. And I feel like that is what this book, The Game of Life and How to Play It was for me. I sat down and read this thing in one setting in like two hours. Um, but you can break down each chapter, and um, which I have done with my girls in the book club. And we've enjoyed it, like breaking down the chapters. We have not finished it, but, you know, shit happens. But this book really, really, really helped me to change the way I'm playing the game of life and change my thoughts. Change. I wouldn't say change my thoughts more so than changed my language. Because this book focuses, it focuses on your thoughts and what we think and, you know, whatever a man think is so he is. Um, but it focuses a lot more on what we say because there's power in the tongue. So it's, it's, it's focused on thoughts, but really hardcore on the power in the tongue. And, you know, I realized in reading this book, it can get a little daunting if you're used to being a negative speaker or a negative thinker, right? And it started to feel like this shit is hard work, yo. Like <laughs> every time I turn around, I'm saying something negative. Like, or, you know, even when you're joking, you know, I would I joke about not having um edges. So now is the fact that I don't have edges, is that my fucking fault? Cause I was joking because when they were thin, like, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, so it was a lot of that going on, like saying like somebody who used to joke about wearing black all the time and being in mourning, and then next thing you know, she was mourning her husband or whatever. Like, you know, shit happens. I will tell you this though. Back in the day, I used to hate getting my periods and I used to always be like, yo, I just can't wait till I go through menopause. I can't wait to go through menopause. I want menopause now. I wish I was going through menopause now. Like I was just saying all of that because like my periods were horrific, y'all. Like (laughs) if I could get any rough on that age, horrific, like that's how bad my periods were, right? So painful, just blood everywhere, just worried I was leaving a Japanese flag every seat I sat in. It was just dumb. So I used to say that. I wish I was going through menopause, which I'm so sick and tired of it. And lo and behold, 
I am now going through menopause at 41, which is like 10 years earlier than what I'm supposed to be going through menopause or more, 10 or more. And with that came a whole lot of other stress, like, you know, having to have my ovaries removed, having my uterus removed, like, now there's no possibility of me having kids at all. Do I do I care about the kids? No, not really. But I mean, just the option. Like, what if I meet somebody that wants to have kids later in life? That's not going to be an option for me, you know? So I started to think about that. Like, wow, did I, you know, like, did I manifest this? Like, did I speak this into existence? Might have. Because I was joking when I was saying, like, no, wasn't really joking. But I just definitely was like... I can't wait to go through menopause. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, here I am doing it early. So this book makes you think about like how powerful the tongue is. And like you start to think like, oh shit, there is some things that kind of like spoke into existence. And also it talks about things that you speak on other people. For instance, as mothers, things like projecting our fear on our children is a thing. You know, it just makes you uh, or fathers projecting your fear on your children and speaking things into existence or speaking some kind of fearful thought into existence on your kids. It's that kind of powerful book seems and it looks really simple. It looks like it's not telling you shit, but I'm telling you, this book has really got me thinking, y'all. Like I am changing the way I talk daily now like this is a daily work it's not just a I'm gonna read this book and I'm gonna change the way I'm talking today and da, da, da. no it's a daily hard daunting ch- task to change the way you talk especially because a lot of the times I like to say funny shit like you know or it's times I just want to give up on dating like fuck all these boys like all these men whatever I'm tired of it I'm tired of all the bullshit I just want to be alone but in, in all actuality do I want to be alone no I'm just saying those things out of anger and frustration. But, you know, reading this book now, I'm like, girl, change your language. It's frustrating now. This is just a frustrating space in a dating world. You're not tired of men, especially black men. You're not tired of them. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I had to uh, get mature in my approach with my language. So I'm encouraging y'all to get this book. I don't feel like it's a lot. It costs maybe like $5 on Amazon. Uh, I'll probably drop the link in my description so you can get it. But the one thing, one of the main things that I uh, wanted to take from this book in, in talking with you guys for anxiety check-in is that, you know, I talk a lot about resistance because I feel like the resistance is the key. And I say it all the time. I don't care how many times I got to say it. Resistance is the key to your suffering and anxiety. And there is a chapter um, in this book called The Law of Non-Resistance. And y'all better quote me, okay? If you go, if you post this somewhere, somewhere, okay? Listen, because my lips is getting tight, y'all. When you post it, you better quote me and tag me because I want to know that you're listening. But again, let me repeat it. Resistance is the key to your suffering and anxiety. Okay? Write it down. So, the... Law of non-resistance, that's the chapter in the book. That is chapter number four. And the first line in the chapter says, nothing on earth can resist an absolutely non-resistant person, right? So with that being said, 
if nothing on earth can resist an absolutely non-resistant person, and it also says, let me know, without, I'm about to give y'all the point that I was going to say. And there was also a point here. It says, resistance is hell. Hell. For it places man in a state of torment. Resistance is hell, y'all. For it places a man in a state of torment. Now, my point is this. I'm yelling, y'all, because I'm just... Because when I start to get points, like when I start to feel good about what I'm saying, I get excited. <laughs> so the point is this. I ain't going to hold y'all long because we got to get into our guest on the show. If resistance is hell, right? And it puts man in a place of torment. And nothing on earth can resist an absolutely non-resistant person, Right? That means that when it comes to anxiety, we have to, it's imperative. It is the most important thing you can do on your journey in this healing process is to take the path of least resistance when you're healing from anxiety and depression, PTSD, all those things must not resist. What that means is this. The way I interpret it is how I handled depersonalization when it first came about. I was resisting it like a motherfucker. Like I was like, yo, this I hate this feeling. I feel like I'm dead. I feel like I'm dying. I don't know what happened to me. I was fighting it. Like, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel this way. This feels so, uh, uh, uh. Then when I got to a place of, you know what? Depersonalization, this is how I'm feeling. You're welcome to stay here however long you want to stay here. This feeling feels weird, but I'm no longer resisting this feeling anymore. I feel this feeling in my head. I feel these feelings in my hand. I feel it in my in my feet. It's making me feel like I'm got like I have vertigo, like I feel dizzy, but I'm not resisting any of these feelings anymore. I'm kind of flowing with whatever life is throwing my way, I'm flowing with it. I'ma just flow with it. I'm accepting where I'm at in that space, in that present time, present moment, and I'm just flowing with it. I'm not resisting it and saying, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I hate, I hate, I hate, I wish, I wish, I wish. That is the place of torment. If you're, I don't, I don't, I don't, I hate, I hate, I hate, I wish, I wish, I wish. You're tormenting yourself. Let's all stop tormenting ourselves together. Let's take the path of least resistance as we approach our journey in healing. Nothing on earth can resist an absolutely non-resistant person. So if that's the case, if we resist all of that, if we're resisting all of that, that stuff, it's the more we're going to get. <laughs> the more we're going to get. If we let go, we let go, let God I know it sounds cliche, but we have to let go. Letting go is not easy. I know it to be true. Like, it's not like I'm a therapist or I'm a life coach or anything, a doctor or anything telling you guys something that I have not been through. Letting go is the hardest fucking thing you'll ever have to do in your life. Anxiety checking is running over, but I feel like I got to tell y'all this. It's the hardest thing you're ever going to fucking do in your life, right? But it will be the most 
rewarding thing that you'll ever learn to do in your life. It'll take you some time to do, but once you get a hold of just letting go, somebody rejects you, let that shit the fuck go. You got fired, let that shit the fuck go. You ain't die, life goes on. You had a panic attack, all right, we pushed through that. We've grounded ourselves, we did our breathing techniques, we pushed through and we let it the fuck go. You relapsed uh, in your anxiety battle. You had, you know, you, you stuck for a couple weeks. All right, we're not resisting that that space. Can't get out of your bed for a couple weeks. Fine, we're not resisting that space. That's the present moment. But then we get up and we let that shit go. What's What's the next game plan? We always got to stay focused on not giving up. We're not going to give up on this journey of healing. We're not going to resist whatever comes our way. We're going to accept it. We're going to stay in a place in a in a place of now, a present moment, and take the path of least resistance. I'm not going to resist the anxious feelings that are happening in my body. It's happening. Let me feel it. Let me breathe through it. I'm still safe. Even though this anxiety is happening, my body's buzzing, I'm feeling weird, I'm safe. I'm still safe. What can I do now to kind of distract my mind and do something else? Let me go watch a different world. That makes me laugh. Let me go call my friend. Let me go get some crab legs. (laughs) You know, it's just those little simple things that you can do while you're in that space not resisting it, but still live your life. You know what I mean? Like, just still live your life. (sighs) This game of life book is really a game changer. I'm leaving the link for y'all. Get the book. Read it. Let's talk back about it. Slide in my DMs. Email me. Tell me what you think. I have bookmarked and and tabbed every single point in this book. I have so much to talk about. I probably will just do a whole episode on this book alone. But it has really helped me the most with the non-resistance, the acceptance um, place of struggling with mental health. And I really hope that it helps you guys because it's really um, put me in a, a better perspective of this journey that I'm on. So, yeah. There we go for the anxiety check-in. <laughs> I never know how to end these things. Like, how do I end it? Okay, so I'm done. That's it. <laughs> anyway, let's just get into talking about uh, who's up next. We got Patrice Washington uh, in the house, y'all. And she is dope, okay? She's America's finance chick. She's getting us all together about our finances. But honestly, me and Patrice going to get into some really, um, hey, girl, hey, girl, good talk about uh, abundance in life um, and just rebuilding, how you rebuild um, from hitting rock bottom, those kind of things. So let's talk about it. Okay, so we had a really good conversation right now coming up with Patrice Washington. Fabulous, beautiful, chocolatey, melanated woman of God that I had the opportunity to sit down and chat with. She is now a friend in my head. I also stalk her Instagram daily because Patrice puts us all on the journey to chasing purpose, not money. Okay. And it sounds simple, 
But it's really like, that's what life is about. We got to chase the purpose, not money. So uh, Patrice and I have a, a very candid conversation about how she got to a place of chasing the purpose and not the money and how she built herself up and had to rebuild after issues that caused her to lose money, lose homes and all this kind of stuff. And she rebuilt a very sustainable business and career chasing purpose and not the dollar y'all because the dollar ain't the end all be all it's the purpose so let's get into this conversation with patrice real quick because i think y'all gonna love it welcome to the analog girl podcast how are you doing today i'm good i'm well thank you for having me I'm so happy to have you here. As we were talking off um, the record, y'all, I get excited when I have other Black women in the house to have a conversation with the Analog Girl. So, I mean, listen, this is a treat. You know, I like to tell y'all everything is a treat. This is a treat, okay? This is a beautiful Black woman, and she is in the house to talk to us. And we're really going to focus a lot on how we can chase purpose and not money. Okay. I don't know how to do that. So (laughs) Patrice is going to show me and you guys out there how to do that. Um, It's very hard for me to chase purpose and money and not chase money at the same time. Um, So I'm sure that there's a lot of gems that Patrice will drop on us for this episode. So starting out, Patrice, who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? What makes you smile? What doesn't make you smile? Anything. Oh, all the things. <laughs> well, I'm a mother of a 13-year-old child, which I cannot believe. Uh, I am a wife of nearly 14 years. Wow. A business owner, an entrepreneur, like all the things. But really, I'm a woman who's passionate about helping people understand that the journey to wealth is not just about money and material possessions, because that's what we've been fed. The truth is the original definition of wealth is the condition of well-being and happiness. And that's not what we're taught. And that's not what we talk about. Yeah. Um, but that's something that I learned after having my own experience of following the recipe, right? The recipe being go to school, get good grades, you're going to get a job or you know, start a business or something and you should be fine. And I did those things. I grew up in South Central Los Angeles as a first-generation American. My parents are from Belize in Central America and grew up around typical, I think, urban area in South Central, a lot of uh, drugs, gang violence, all the things. And all I knew was I got to go to school and get good grades so I can do better. And I did those things, graduated from the University of Southern California, degree in business, emphasizing entrepreneurial studies. Started my first business during senior year in college, grew that to a seven figure business by 25. And I was like, oh, well, I did the thing. <laughs> I made it like I'm done. We, we good now. Mm-hmm. The recession hit. And the recession hit. And when it did, I was actually on hospital bed rest. I took a fall down the stairs at 20 weeks pregnant and it sent me into preterm labor. Mm-hmm. So when I got to the hospital, they were like, ma'am. I'm sorry, this baby's coming any minute now. Like you just gonna have to hope for the best. But that any minute now turned into me actually being there for 10 weeks. So my daughter was born at 30 weeks. She was 10 weeks premature. Um, And after my hospital stay and her hospital stay, I left the hospital with almost $400,000 in medical debt and no deals closed because the recession 
has started and all the banks that we work with were closing down. So my whole life went upside down within a year. New mom, newly married, and the business that had been my baby was like collapsing. And I went from a seven-figure business to scraping of change. Literally, Literally voluntary repossessions of our cars and foreclosure of our home. And I went from a 6,000 square foot house in Southern California to living in a 600 square foot apartment in Metairie, Louisiana, on welfare, food stamps, and begging the power man to turn the lights on or my baby's milk was going to spoil. Wow. So what was that? That's like wild because you go from that would have, no, because I got the anxiety child. So I think I'd have been super stressed, super depressed. Like, I don't even know. I mean, I'm, I have survival mode. We, I think we all of us do. We got that survivor thing in us. But it's just wild to go from such a big home and to be in and then go to the apartment and it's your whole family in this small space. So how were you able to manage your mental health during that time? Oh, the struggle was real, right? <laughs> because the other part of it was we didn't tell anybody what was happening. So mm-hmm. things were happening, but then we moved away quickly. I say we fled California and ended up in Louisiana. And so we were suffering in silence. And I was like the one that was trying to like, like I had more faith than my husband. Like I grew up like, you know, having some belief of a higher power and stuff like that. And so I loved affirmations and all these things. So I was the one I was trying to like, trying to put up little declarations in the bathroom or put up little affirmations or do what I could to really support my husband, especially because as a black man, his, you know, identity was definitely all in material possessions and what we had. And so I felt such a responsibility as many of us do. We, I, you know, I was born the responsible one. I felt like such a responsibility to make sure that they were okay that I know I was neglecting myself. Mm -hmm. Like I know I was neglecting myself. And I didn't realize it until several months later that I had postpartum depression. But I I was like pushing through, fighting through, like all, all the things. And I actually, I call it like my come to Jesus moment, but I really had like a breakdown in the bathroom one day. I don't know why all things go down in the bathroom for many people, but... (laughs) I had like a breakdown in the bathroom one day, just that like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Like I did what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like I followed the little recipe to a T. I'm confused about why this is not shaking out the way that I thought it was going to shake out. But I think that honestly, when I look back, the thing that did hold me together, even though I wasn't necessarily practicing my faith, like regularly, like I would say, I, you know, I was a Christian at that time, or I was, you know, say I subscribe to these things, but I said it in name. It wasn't really like I was borrowing my granny's faith, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh my, oh, my granny be like, oh, over yonder. Like she had all them songs and I'd be trying to remember her little songs and stuff. And that was a season in my life where I was like, I got to find something for myself. I can't borrow. I can't borrow other people's faith. I can't borrow other people's belief. I can't borrow other people's anything. Like I have to start to find it for myself. So for me, my faith played a great role. And I also found a woman who's kind of like a mentor to me there that just reminded me that this was a season. Yes. And that's one of the things that it's hard to process that when you're in it, you know, when you're right in the thick of everything. 
um to say like this is a season but i do the same thing i just be like you know like like everything else this too shall pass this like nothing pass. lasts forever nothing nothing yeah. in this world lasts forever so that's that's one of my mantras like this ain't gonna last forever so that is definitely a fact okay so you you were down and out girl and then you pulled yourself back up by the grace of god your motivating factor was knowing that um, this was a temporary season. So what was the game plan once you had that, once you got that mind frame? What, yeah. was, that? what was the game plan? So really what happened on the bathroom floor is I, you know, I had that moment where I was looking in the mirror my husband and my daughter were gone. And I was kind of like on some like, God, why me? Like, I've been a good person. I do good work. I operate in integrity. I've tried to look out for people. Like, why am I here? And that led to like, bawling snotting that a good ugly cry mm-hmm. that, that nasty ugly cry was mm-hmm. not falling all the stuff mm-hmm. i was at that, that viola davis yeah. kind of cry mm-hmm. don't nobody get it good no. like viola you no, know? right right. <laughs> right like the viola davis cry yeah but i ended up in my viola davis cry on the floor and i felt what i call the holy spirit say get your bible so there's a scripture that i found Patrice, don't stir me up. Do not stir me up in here. Wait a minute. <laughs> I do not have to hurt because I will go into a full on speaking in tongues in here. Okay, give us the scripture. <laughs> the scripture was Proverbs 17, 16. And it said, what good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom? Mm. What good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom? And that was the first time it started to click. Knowledge and wisdom are not the same. No. I've been using them interchangeably up until that point. I'm like, oh, I passed my broker's exam on the first try. I graduated from USC on the dean's list. Like, oh, I, you know, I'm well read, all these things. Ma'am, that's not wisdom. That's knowledge. That's nice. That's a great, that's a nice start. But wisdom right? Is the application of knowledge. When do you use it? With whom? Where? Like, and that's the thing. I knew a lot of things, but even it, like what got me to that place is in that season, I didn't know how to apply a lot of the information I had heard because I was still young, mm-hmm. right? Very naive and very prideful and not, I didn't understand how to ask for help. I didn't grow up in a home where asking for help was a sign of strength. It was very much like, um, figure it out. Yeah. Everything was figured out. I figured out how to get to college. I was a first generation college student, right? I figured out how to do so many of the things that I did. So I suffered in silence. Nobody knew what was going on. I never asked for any help. I wouldn't dare tell anyone because I also grew up with keep people out your business. So there's a lot of things that we say, I think, especially in the black community. I can't speak for any other community because I've only been black for 40 years. (laughs) I grew up, right? All these things about... We don't go to therapy because that's for that's for those people. Whatever, right? We don't put people in our business. You figure it out. You make it happen. You you know. And it's like, okay, but that's not really supportive of actually making progress, right? And that's a part of the reason why we have to keep starting over because we won't just tell the truth and have real conversation. So now, folk got to start over from generation to generation when they could have been so much further ahead. Yeah. Me though, after that bathroom floor moment, I started to research. I was like looking at, um, cause I, I, I actually looked up the definition of wisdom cause I was real offended. I was real offended. Cause I was like, Lord, you're trying to say I'm not wise. I'm trying to understand how I got to this thing right here in this moment in time. This is not what I wanted to hear. 
Because the Holy Spirit will read you for filth, okay? And you will be thinking that it's a negative thought or you will be thinking like, oh, this is just an intrusive thought. And it'd be the Holy Spirit reading you like, no, you dummy. This is what you need to do. Let me tell you this. And I'm sure he speaks to us a little softer, but that's just really how he really gets us together. So I can relate to that. Yeah. So you looked up the word, the word wisdom. Yep. I looked up wisdom. That's why I learned it was the application of knowledge. And then I was looking up wealth. And I, that's where I saw that it was it, money and material possessions is what we've now put as the first definition. But when you dig deeply, it's not the only definition. And as a matter of fact, it wasn't the original definition. So that really intrigued me. And I had a first grade teacher, Miss Boynton. I used to get in trouble for talking from like pre-K through present day. But back then, <laughs> I used to get in trouble for talking all the time. And it was my first grade teacher, Miss Boynton. I used to raise my hand. I always had answers. Always had answers. And Ms. Boynton said to me, Miss um, Cunningham, which is my maiden name, she was like, um, it's not enough if you know. When you know something, help your friends. Like, help your friends. We we got it. You know. Like, she played me, right? But it was like the best lesson. I'm like, that's a tough lesson. That's a not tough in a bad way, but like tough in a good way. Like, that's a tough-ass lesson to tell somebody, especially in first grade. In like, first grade. And that thing stuck with me. Yes. I'm years old this year. That thing stuck with me. And it is it is why I do what I do, because I feel ever since that time that every time I know something, I have a responsibility to share with my friends. Mm-hmm. I have a responsibility to teach my friends. I got up off that bathroom floor. The next day, I started a free blogspot.com and it was called Seek Wisdom, Find Wealth. Seek wow. Wisdom, Find Wealth. It's up to this day because I can't find the password. And so that is. And also for my clients, I'm always like, don't look at where I am today and judge yourself against that. This is not where I started. I've been at this consistently ever since that day. That day was March 9, 2009. And I started that blog spot. And that ended up like with me writing blogs for other websites that were bigger websites. And then it turned into me writing for a few magazines, namely Upscale Magazine, Sheen, Black Enterprise. That turned into me doing radio interviews. And then eventually I ended up four years on the Steve Harvey Morning Show as the personal finance uh, voice of that show every week, giving people money advice, right? Mm -hmm. Not because I was perfect. And I didn't start getting booked because I was fully restored. I was just committed to like, if I know, I got to share. I have to share. The real trajectory of my career didn't really come till 2014, like five years later. But those first five years, I was just committed that, you know what? I had that voice that was like, ain't nobody going to listen to you. You lost all your money. Yeah. You broke. Who are you talking to? I had the same thing. What? All the things. But then I had that other voice that was like, you lost your money, but your, your mind ain't bad. You still got something to offer. You do know what you do know. Just don't talk about things you don't know. Focus yeah. on what you know. And that's what I committed to doing. And that's what I've been doing since 2009. Well, I too can relate because I was honestly just talking to one of my friends uh, maybe a week and a half ago. Um, and in tears because I've been going through some stuff with some medical issues. 
Um, and by the grace of God, I will be fully healed. But I was just saying, I was just like, at that point in time, I was like, really like my, I was, my back was up against the wall and I was just like, you know, it's just one thing after the other. Like, how am I out here teaching women or just sharing my experiences and being a peer to peer support person. And I'm here breaking down crying. Like, how can I give, give to people when I, I need to receive. So I totally 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 understand to being in that space but still pushing through anyway it is the it's the hardest thing but let me i think you. it's the most empowering thing actually let me tell you even about where you are in this health journey like first of all if we believe that all things come together for our good then mm-hmm. it's all things right right and i think the truth is sometimes when we talk about chasing purpose where God is leading us, we're not going to be the true servant we need to be if we don't have a frame of reference for what the women up ahead who need us will need, right? Like I've been through things in my marriage, right? I've, we've overcome infidelity. And I was the type of person who was like, huh. <laughs> 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 right? and, then, and then it happened. <laughs> and here we are. And now I'm like questioning all these things, right? But we were able to overcome that he was repentant, first of all. We're not going to talk about that. Right we, girl, come back for another one. We'll, another, we'll, we'll back, talk about it. We'll come back to that because that was a good story. That's a good story. You can come but, back and talk about repent next time and, yeah, and forgiveness. And forgiveness, right? <laughs> but, right, when I look at the number of women that I serve now, and especially in this journey of helping them go from understanding their purpose to building a platform, so many of the women that I serve end up having challenges in their marriage. And the only reason that I can speak to their heart and speak to those wounds and actually like encourage them not to stay or go because that's not my business, but that their purpose is not postponed. Even in the midst of whatever trial is going going on at home, we're still called to serve in the marketplace. So we still have a responsibility, but I can only share from that because I lived it. Anything else will be me hypothesizing. And I think that everything that we experience is not happening to us. It's happening for us because Mm -hmm. at some point may not be tomorrow. It may not be next week. It may not be next year, but some point on the journey, God is going to align people on this path and they're going to need to hear the testimony that only you can give. Yeah. Not going to be able to receive it from anyone else, but if they know you, like you, trust you, they rock with you and you say, it's like, Okay, then I can do it too. And that's that's one of those things I learned in that season. Nothing is happening to me. It's either a lesson or a blessing. I get to choose how I see it. If I see myself as a victim, I'm going to be a victim. But if I see it as like, all right, God, what are we doing? Like, okay, so what did this come to tea? What, where was I not paying attention? Where yeah. did I have done better? Where was mm-hmm. I ignoring the signs? Where was I? And, and, not, and not beating yourself up when you get the answers. Just oh. make it right. Just make it right. Just, Just make it right. Okay. Because the beauty of it is if I'm here, I, I got another shot. Yes. I got, I have another chance. So, okay. I'm just going to learn the lesson and okay. Then how, how do we move forward from here? Cause staying in beat up doesn't serve you or anyone else. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help at all. You just come out of it all beat up and bruised <laughs> and everybody else be going on about their lives. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just doesn't doesn't even it's not even worth that time your time to do that Mm -hmm. so 
I'm stuck on the whole wisdom thing because friend to the show, Tiffany the Budgetista. I don't know if you know her or not. That's my girl. Yes. Dude, I know her. Yeah, okay. Cause you know, I'm gonna be like, I don't be saying, I'll be trying to assume everybody know everybody. So <laughs> <laughs> but Tiffany is friend to the show and a friend of mine. And um, she's also one of the things she said the last time that she was with us was that she prays for wisdom. Yeah. And I, you know, and that is a key thing. And that's why when you when you you just made me remember that again again because I think I forget that and I think that that is the the I do I do and I think I'm so busy praying for the man praying for true love praying for uh you know to get out of debt because I'm sick and tired of it and you know praying for all those things that I think the strategy is the praying for the wisdom that's the strategy the thing that's going to give you the blueprint to get the man out of debt do all the things right right every day and it has been my prayer for at least I want to say a solid, like maybe 11, 12 years, probably 11, 12 years now. Um, at the end of every prayer, I say, um, God bless us with wisdom and discernment. I pray mm-hmm. for wisdom and discernment every day. I pray for wisdom. Actually, this is the real thing. Wisdom, discernment, peace, overflow, abundance, and a family that lasts a lifetime, like that our families stay connected a lifetime. But wisdom, discernment, peace, overflow, and abundance, I pray Every day. Every yeah. day. And, and I really think, you know how you were saying that um, something about like questioning, like you're like, was that really that thought or was like, was, yeah. that, was that the Holy Spirit? I think that when you pray for wisdom and discernment, a piece of that is it allows you to start trusting what you hear. So oh, yes. Questioning, because I used to straddle the fence. I used to be, the, you know, where you like, you like, God, I think I heard, <laughs> but, I'm a, um, but did you say, was that you? Can you send a pigeon? I need one more sign. Right. Because oh. we're always looking for something tangible to be like, okay, so that was this. Oh, oh, a blue jay just sat on my ledge. So <laughs> that means. <laughs> right. And it's like, the Holy Spirit's like, we told you, like I already told yeah. So yeah. my word last year was obedience in 2020. Mm-hmm. My word was obedience. And I was like, what would my life look like if every time I heard the Holy Spirit say move, I just moved? Because in the Bible, when I read stuff, people be packing up and going. They don't They don't be like, they had a little talk with their family. They ran it by to see what their parents were thinking about it. They, they'd be like, oh, he took up his mat and was gone. Like, what if I had that type of obedience? Yeah. Go back and forth. I just did. So last year, even in the midst of the pandemic, literally I had so many divine downloads about things I should do, things I should stop doing, all these things. In the midst of all of that, our business tripled and my husband launched a new seven-figure business. Wow. Seven figures in six months in the midst of the pandemic. This year, I was launching a new book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself. In October, the Holy Spirit was like, I had all this stuff. I had told my team, like, we're going to do this live virtual event. And I want the screens. I want to see all the people on Zoom and all these things. My husband called around, found the venue to host us, like all this stuff. We getting ready to go do the deposit. Girl, I'm in my prayer room. And I heard the Holy Spirit like, I, I, I. who asked you? 
<laughs> so what you saying? Like, it's like, so what you saying? Look, so that must mean that I need to also get out there and hit the pavement. Like, I, this is my fifth book. I know how to launch a book now. Like, I've been a bestseller. I know what to do. So, like, no, I'm going to do all the things. And the Holy Spirit, girl, I got the confirmation again the next day. No. And I realized the other side of that is because I'm a doer, like a lot of black women. We know how to make some stuff happen. Somebody say do something, we're gonna make a checklist, honey, and go to work. Uh, the other side of obedience, though, is not just knowing when to move, it's knowing when to be still. And I was so frustrated. You talk about crying to your friend. Girl, I called my friend. I had to pull over. I was like, because I don't. Friend and I can't and I don't understand. And she was like, "Where are you stuck?" And I and it came out. I said, "I'm not stuck. I feel like I've been mandated to be still." Yes, I know what to do, but I haven't been released to do it. Mm. Yeah, but I have to trust it because the same voice that told me when to go last year is the same voice that's guiding when I need to be still this year. Yes. It's not, it's, it ain't about what I feel like, right? Obedience is not about my comfort zone. It's not about my desires. It's not about my wishes. A part of obedience is like, okay, if I'm praying for wisdom and discernment every day and this is what like is coming to me, I have to trust. Yeah. Trust that that's good enough. And it was so hard. It's been hard to sit on my hands and not do all the things that I know I could do. Right. But, you know, I still don't know what the other side of this looks like. You know, we might have to come back and be like part two. So what happened? It's like, yeah, so tell me what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Are you in a place of waiting right now? I'm in a place of waiting right now. But I'm this. We've gotten a couple orders. I want to say out of the blue, but we know what this is, right? We've gotten a couple orders for books. 550 books from one person. 700 books from another organization like 200 and something books from another organization out of, out of the blue. Yeah. So keep sitting on your hands, sis, and keep, keep, keep waiting. Listen, I'm like, I I see you got, okay. Mm -hmm. But you know, when they talk about, and when Deuteronomy talks about the blessing of obedience, you know, it's, it's a healthy little chapter there in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 28, they go, Oh, the blessings of obedience. If you obey the voice of the Lord, your God, right. Right. It, it breaks it down. But girl, that disobedience is pages long. The yeah. blessing of obedience is cute, but it's about one page. The curse of disobedience is so many pages. Child, you might as well not even try. Just do what you heard. Yeah. That voice, that voice. But I do understand that in mental health issues, all them voices ain't. You don't know. And that it has been my struggle. That has been my struggle. So I, it's not that I don't listen to voices. I just kind of go with the gut instincts and I go with what I know is to be right. Mm. So uh, for instance, with tithing, I was not tithing before. And I don't always talk like heavy, heavy spiritual on the podcast, but everybody know I'm a preacher's kid. So y'all going to get it. Okay. So, (laughs) and I oftentimes talk about why I believe where I'm at. I'm at where I'm at right now because of tithing. So prior to um, uh, me having a nervous breakdown, 2018 and all that, I was always hitting a wall, getting fired, broke, in debt, 
out of debt, in debt, out of debt, fired, broke, in debt, out of, losing home, homeless once, homeless twice, you know, all of this kind of stuff. It was like a cycle. Mm-hmm. And then um, I decided uh, 2019 when I started working again, I started getting free um, freelance jobs. And I was like, you know what? From now on, I'm always going to tithe. And it wasn't like, and it could be that, you know, it was the Holy Spirit or whatever, but I I still, because I struggle with inter- uh, intrusive thoughts and I'm not sure whether or not it's just like a, a gut, a gut inkling that just leads me to do what I know is right. And, and I always gauge it like, okay, well, if, if I'm feeling like I want to slap this bee, that's not, <laughs> that's probably not, that's probably not the Holy Spirit. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah bring it on down sis so that's not it so I I, I use that as a tool for, <laughs> for somebody who is still in a place of struggling with wondering if this is actually the word of the Lord thus says the Lord so I started I was like you know what I'm gonna just keep tithing I'm gonna tithe no matter what no matter what I'm doing I was even tithing on my unemployment prior to having the, the freelance gig and then I started to get jobs and not only was I getting jobs, but they were paying me hella money. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, I was able to get a place, you know, and I was able to maintain the place and I wasn't, I was, you know, not, I, w- I wasn't in a place of, am I going to lose my home? Am I going to lose my home? I wasn't in those places anymore. I'm moving to a new place. I'm working full time. I messed around and got a second job. You know what I mean? So, I do truly believe that in, in the wisdom, even if you can't gauge whether or not these are you're hearing the word of the of, of the Lord or you're hearing God's voice, that he will still guide you. Like he'll still guide your steps and lead you in the right direction. So that's how I kind of deal with it. Yeah. And then, you know, just continuing to pray and asking God to to allow me to hear his voice, you know, and to be able to decipher and know when it's him and when it's the enemy trying to play games with me. You yeah. Know? And actually, I heard Priscilla Schreier say this once that what the enemy likes to do is confuse us with good versus almost good mm. things that could be like it's so close. Right. That you're like, well, clearly I should slap her because because it's right. Yeah, it's the right thing to do. No, but some things are like literally like so close that you can confuse it, which is why we do pray for wisdom and discernment to see it like for all for all it has to offer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's just the key, y'all. I'm telling you, and I'm just so happy that, you know, God is always aligning because this is like actually just reawakening me spiritually again on things to pray for. Because like I don't necessarily always speak and pray for wisdom and be grateful for the wisdom that God has given me thus far. Right now, put it somewhere, you know, where you can see it. So even if you miss it during whatever your routine of prayer may be if you just catch a glance at it at your desk you could be like lord mm, wisdom and discernment needs that the holy spirit know what you mean they know. yeah that's right and it doesn't have to be a full-on long prayer y'all it no. don't <laughs> it could just no. be the conversations that you have daily throughout the day so with that being said you know we got the rain on and obviously we church girls and church girls get a little caught up i'm sorry <laughs> Especially when you start talking about the goodness of God. So anyway, chasing purpose, not money. How did that come about? 
And I'm sure it all ties in with the praying for wisdom and getting the wisdom. So tell us how that came about. And then after that, girl, I want to know how I could chase the purpose and not the money. But but don't be broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So a couple things. So as I started that free blog and then it turned into all these other things, I moved from Louisiana to live on my brother's couch in Atlanta. And when I came to Atlanta... I started going to all these networking events, like just trying to figure it out, right? Trying to go to stuff, talking to people, learning different things. And there were a couple of times that I was offered opportunities. Now, I lived on my brother's couch. I definitely needed money and I definitely needed uh, my own housing and all those things. But every time I went to try to even act like I was going to take something that was not in alignment with what I felt like God was calling me to do, it will fall apart. It just wouldn't work or the people be crazy, like a different type of like just, you know, wanting to yell at you and talk to you crazy. And I'm like, now I'm in a season. But like, who are you talking to? Right. Like nothing was working out. And I started this thing like if it's not in alignment with what I feel like God has assigned me to do, I'm just going to say no. Even if it means saying no to something that looks like money in the short term. Right. Say no. And I started to find this pattern, this rhythm that every time I said no to these other things and I said yes to things that looked like helping people with financial stuff. Like I ended up working at a salon as the business manager. Right. So I was bartering hair and nails and lashes and all this stuff because they didn't really have the money. But I was like helping with the financial stuff, which Mm -hmm. I, I liked. And then I did that with a couple other people. And then I was volunteering at this nonprofit organization and it was teaching financial education. And every time they needed a volunteer, I'd be like, oh, I was the first to reply to the email. Right. For months. Then the the president of this district, like ended up calling me on the phone one day and I was going to take a job. I was going to go take a job actually with Steve Harvey. Because mm-hmm. I had interned for Steve Harvey when I was in college. You know, now, was- are the suits as shiny in person as they are on the cameras? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I yes, just had to know, are. like, are they just as shiny in person? Like, I feel like you just always got to be like this when he, when you approach him. You got to cover your eyes. Oh, he's, he's hip now. He's oh, he's hip? hip. Okay. <laughs> he didn't got hip. He didn't got a young stylist. And he, you know, he's hip now. Good. The the suits were shiny. Yes. Intern when I was in college, and I ended up working um, with them for like a year and a half, paid, and then I left to start my business. And then all this time has passed. So now I'm in Atlanta. He hears I'm in Atlanta. He and his his manager, his partner at the time, and so they were like, "Hey, like you need a job." Of course, I left on good terms. It was never any bad blood. Always checked in. I'm like, yeah, like. Right. So I, I'm driving down Roswell Road in Atlanta to go, I think, accept this job. And I get a phone call from um, his name is Jay Bailey. I get a phone call from this guy, Jay Bailey, he was the president of the organization at the time. And he's like, hey, um, you know, we were we were just uh, talking about you. And I'm like, oh, OK. He's like, you know, um, you're one of our star volunteers and all these things. We have this position that's going to come open. We're building this center and we're looking for a financial um, management counselor. And, you know, everyone on the team thinks you will be great. And I'm like, oh, like, 
oh, well, okay. This like, this is what I want to do. He's like, um, yeah. I said, well, when does it start? Cause I was actually headed to go like take a job right now. So when could I come and talk to you guys about it? He's like, oh, well, we're at least six months away. Okay. <laughs> like, sir. But what thank- are you calling me for really? No. He's like, we're, we're at least six months away. I said, well, can you send me whatever you're talking about? I don't know if I'll still be available, but just send it to me. I pull up in Buckhead to Steve Harvey studio. I'm sitting in the car. I open my phone, check the email and the email, the description of what they wrote came straight out of my journal because I had written an ideal career. Like this is my ideal job several months before then. And it was what I wrote almost to a T. Wow. And I'm now I'm like, but this is the thing, right? But I need money. But I want money. I'm tired of bartering. I want money. So <laughs> I go in there and I'm talking to Steve. I'm talking to his partner, Rashawn, at the time. And they're talking. And all I heard was womp, 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 womp. Because you're thinking about the other thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, what will I be doing exactly? And they started describing all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to do that, 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 or that. I said, I'm sorry. Girl, I didn't even know when it came out my mouth. It just it just came out. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to do that. And in true Steve Harvey fashion, he's like, what the hell is wrong? What you talking about? Aren't you broke? It's like, mm, I'm in a temporary situation. Broke is very strong. <laughs> Um, very strong choice of words there Steve (laughs) but yeah I was like I really feel like I'm being called to help people with their finances like financial education and they were like but you're broke and I'm like yeah but just like right now that's not like a whole like I'm not broke like I'm not broke broke like you know I'm not not spiritually broke yeah I'm not broken in spirit like and I walked away and Steve ought to know because he got the whole story about him in the car and the car, the poor cars and whatever. And Girl, he all... didn't care about that. He thought I was crazy. He was like, "What is wrong with you? What is wrong?" Because he has a, a pretty inspirational story about like one 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 way flight ticket to go do the show at Apollo. Like I know, yeah. yeah. And this was one of those moments. This was that moment. Mm-hmm. And I didn't take the job, girl. I continued to like take little jobs. I didn't want anything that would interfere with me being open to pursuing my purpose. Like mm-hmm. what I felt like was going to be my purpose. So I refused to take a job that was going to be too distracting. So I did little odd jobs and stuff because that was okay to me, but I wasn't going to go sit at your job and act like I actually cared about what she was talking about because I do not. Mm-hmm. And in order, I'm one of those people in order for me to really be my best, I have to actually care. Like I can't just sit here and shuck and job and fool around with you. So I said no. Um, I did not take that job. I actually ended up going back, though, what, four years later as the money maven of the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Mm-hmm. I did go. And um, about eight, ten, eight to 10 months later, I ended up in that position for the financial nonprofit. And what it did was show me what was possible because I had an idea of like, oh, I want to get paid to do this. But I didn't know how necessarily. I wasn't from that background or any of that stuff. And it, it actually allowed me to build a platform as who I am today on somebody else's watch. Wow. So I was out speaking. I was out teaching. I was doing the counseling. I was doing the coaching and I was getting paid to do it. But I was also learning at the same time. And I stayed there for about a year and a half. And then I left there in 2012. 
and I never looked back. But even to, so I did Steve Harvey's radio show and I was on his radio show for almost a year before they brought me on the talk show. The first time I got a chance to go on the talk show, they gave me an opportunity and it was a sponsored thing. And they, they called and said, oh, we want you on. And I was like, yes, I've been waiting for this. Like for several months, I've been waiting for the opportunity. And then they sent me the script and it had a bunch of stuff that I would never say to my best friend. Mm. I would say it to, my, to people that I actually care about. I wouldn't say it to anybody that actually trusts me. So I sent them a message back and I was like, oh, if that's if that if the script has to stay that way, I'm not going to be able to do that. And they're right. like, they're paying you $15,000 for a four minute segment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what, what, I, what I had said was, I'm not going to be able to say something I don't believe, right? Right. I'm not going to be able to do that. So they got somebody else. So I sat there a couple of weeks later and watched somebody that I knew do the segment, right? But to me, that was a chase purpose, not money moment. It wasn't about the money in the moment. There's a bigger thing here. Like there are lives connected to my purpose. Like people trust my word. People trust what I'm saying. I'm not going to sell that out for any, for no money. Like I'm just not going to do that. So when I say chase purpose, not money, it's just about making choices rooted in faith, not fear. Mm -hmm. It's like, what is in alignment with what you're being called to do? Trust that if you stay on that path, you really will be okay. Now I don't believe in, oh, follow your passion and the money will come. I think that's a lie from the pits of hell. I think a lot of people are very passionate about a lot of things they're not proficient in. And therefore, if you ain't really gifted in that, because gifts God gave you freely at birth, and you're not really gifted in that, and you're not really just mm-hmm. you're like, if you're playing around, girl. <laughs> like, now, things that you're passionate about, they give you energy, right? They excite you. You're pumped up about them. But to me, purpose is about service of other people. Oh, yes. That are purposeful typically are going to impact others. If something you're doing only makes you happy and it only impacts you, then that's passion. That was for you. Everybody deserves some passions. But purpose, purpose is about what you can do to impact folks outside of you. And I think that a lot of us don't recognize things as our purpose because we're comparing it to what other people are doing. Like at the heart of it, all I do is talk. And that's what I've been doing since Ms. Boynton, first grade. Right. And that's what I get paid to do is talk. So for us out here who are chasing our, we're trying to chase our purpose and not chase the money, but it's extremely hard. What do you have to say to someone who says, well, I have to work a nine to five girl, Patrice, what I'm supposed to do? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I got to pay my bills. I got to, you know, so, cause I feel like there's a blurred line between that. And I, and I know that there's a lot of debate on, well, girl, I got to work a nine to five. I can't just up and quit my job and just, you know, chase my purpose or I can't turn down a $15,000, you know, segment because girl, I got to pay rent. So what do you say to those women out there who have that perspective? I say that purpose is not about entrepreneurship. So when people say, oh, I can't leave a nine to five to chase purpose, you could be pursuing purpose in the midst, in your business or someone else's. Like it doesn't have to be that you're running your own business. I don't think everyone's cut out for entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't ask for this. This this is just what it is. Because there's been many nights I've been like, oh, why can't I just get a job, get my vacation and leave these people alone? Because mm-hmm. 
I feel I've felt like at different points in my life that would be easier than this roller coaster of entrepreneurship. Right. But I think that many, many people are using the right gift in the wrong ministry. Mm. I think people are using the right gift in the wrong place. I think that you can chase purpose even inside of maybe your present workspace, but maybe you're not in the right department. Right. Maybe you need to be somewhere that is more in alignment with what actually makes you happy, not what you got a degree in because your mama said. Right. So it's not that you have to leave your job, but what are the ways that you can actually lean into what you're naturally gifted to do? Right. Because here's here's the, the thing. I believe that when you are in alignment with your purpose, you're just naturally more fulfilled. And I think that the number one reason people mismanage finances is because they lack fulfillment. And when you don't like what you're doing day in and day out, that void that it creates, that hole, that frustration, that like, ooh, if she say something to me today, I'm going to knock her out. Like all the stuff that we feel when we're dealing with coworkers we don't like and you don't like the boss and all these things, right? Or just overall, like, I just wish I was rich and I hate working a nine to five. You know, that's even... (laughs) That's negative energy in itself. And yeah. I would have to say that, you know, I I would be a lot, I would be lying if I never had that feeling. Like, why can't I just get $3 million? I'll be fine with $3 million. I'll flip it if I don't have to work anymore. <laughs> but it's obviously bad. Uh, it's negative energy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it definitely, it definitely is. And, you know, I think though to your, to your last question, I really think a lot of people assume that purpose and like chasing purpose means, oh, I got to go start a business. And I I know a lot of people who are so fulfilled in their careers. They love what they do. They might not like all the people there, but they're using their God-given gifts to the best of their ability. And it's making an impact either in their department or on, you know, the marketplace or whoever they serve. And I think that's the thing, right? So I think that if we were honest, a lot of people would take a little less money in something they enjoyed thoroughly than take more money in a place where you hate the environment and hate the people and hate what you're doing just for the money. And we see those stories all the time. I can't tell you how many people I've coached or counseled over the years, six-figure earners, nothing to show for it because they're so miserable with what they do. They spend all their money on shoes, on bags, on buying people, on buying the bar out, on buying trips doing all these things to escape their life. Yeah. When really yeah. they could have been making $75,000 a year and love their life a lot more. So I don't think it's even about a dollar amount. That's why I say you have to redefine wealth for yourself. Yeah. What do you really need to be happy and to be well? Oh, man. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking, y'all. I'm joking. <laughs> He's part of the he's part of the equation, but it's not just the man. <laughs> so, what do you think is the ultimate reward of chasing your purpose and defining your purpose at, at that point? I think peace and contentment. Mm-hmm. I think peace and contentment. I think that you know the constant search for more and more and more that insatiable appetite when we're looking for affirmation or approval or, or all this stuff outside of who we are and what God has already given us. Like, I think that is the, the ultimate reward is like, 
I'm like, if you don't like me, Grime, okay. Like, I'm not trying to buy your affection. I went through that season though, even when I had that first seven figure business where I felt the responsibility all the time of like, oh, I'm the one that made it. So I got to pay for everybody. I got to do all the things. I have to be all things to every every person. <laughs> Girl, mm-hmm. I go somewhere now, they'd be like, are we going to split this or we going to split it? We definitely we gonna gonna split, it. split it. And we going to split the tip. And <laughs> we gonna split it all the way down the middle, and not because I, but I'm, I, I'm a generous person, right? I can be generous, but I don't live with this like guilt trip anymore. Of like, oh, I have to because I don't want you to think, I don't want you to say, I don't want you to, mm-hmm. honey. We have been delivered from that. Yeah, I, I am so fulfilled in the work that I get to do. I have conversations like this with people like you, like I get yeah. to do this every day. And I'm stirred up and pumped up and just so fulfilled when I see my clients like thriving and doing stuff that I don't have to buy friendships anymore. Yeah. Buy your love or earn your affection. I don't have to do that anymore. It just, it's just okay to be me. Like Patrice is enough, but because I operate in my gifts and my purpose, I've learned to be enough. I think if I wasn't doing this, I would still be trying to like put on a show Mm-hmm. people you know what I'm saying yeah so there is actually to me the mainstay of what I'm taking away from this conversation is that you know the freedom that you will have when you do decide to grow and spiritually mature and emotionally mature and say okay I'm going to um, fulfill a purpose rather than a need um, in my life. So I think that that is wonderful. And I thank you so, so much for coming to the Analog Girl podcast. And one little thing, like we always, I like to always ask somebody, you know, what's maybe two things you want to leave with us, three points you want to leave with us, one main point you want to leave with us to take us throughout the week. The idea that chasing purpose and not money is real, it's possible. And don't think that, oh, that's something that we can do when I can do when I get over there. Right. It's not happy when it's like, how do I learn to be happy now and just sit in the power and the beauty of what I already have. Mm -hmm. Like you already got it. It's just up to us to give ourselves permission to believe that one thing Steve Harvey taught me is that we don't get what we want. We get what we believe. Yes. Leave you are able and ready and willing and worthy to chase purpose, not money, then it will be your reality. But you got to believe it first. Absolutely. It's all in the belief. And that's one of the things I posted today, y'all. I've been praying to God to help my unbelief. I forgot about wisdom, but I have been praying to God to help my unbelief. So with that being said, Patrice, I really love you, girl. I'm about to go stalk your Instagram. I'm about to be in your DMs, just talking to you all randomly. So just be prepared for that. I'm prepared. <laughs> I really, really um, enjoy your conversation. I enjoy the way you're talking to me. It's like you know me already for like you got all up in my business. And I really, really, I really enjoyed it. It was really, really good. And uh, you have your book coming out. Where can everybody find that? Yeah. Redefine Wealth for Yourself is out now how to stop chasing money and finally live your life's purpose and you can find it or more about me at patricewashington.com or follow me on instagram seek wisdom pcw and i do reply to dm so i'll be looking forward (laughs) okay thank you so much i enjoyed this and 
don't be a stranger to the show. Feel free to come back anytime. Reach out to me. Let me know. I'm down, girl. Thank you. You're welcome.